so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. And when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Last week, we uh, um, introduced this mission that we've had, we've been having, actually, it's not a new one uh, for our church. Uh, Here's what I want us to do. I actually want every one of us, it's going to be chaotic, but that's okay. Uh, Life is chaotic. Church sometimes can be messy. And so I want you to unmute yourself. We're going to read this together, the mission. And I want to encourage you to do your best to memorize this uh, for subsequent weeks. So you can just unmute yourself and we're going to read it together. And hopefully in unison, depending on the quality of your internet at home. Ready? One, two, three. To multiply disciples, disciples who love God, God, love God, love one another, love the Lord, 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 love our mission. Our mission at this church is, uh, hopefully consistent with the scripture, to multiply disciples. Disciples who love God, who love one another, we love the loss, and we do that by abiding in Christ through his word, prayer, and the Holy Spirit. Last week, we talked about what does it mean to love God. We talked about the importance of loving God. We saw the picture of the woman who broke the alabaster jar, uh, the expensive ointment onto Jesus, because not because we shouldn't do good things for the poor, we do good things for God, but we are called first and foremost to give our best to God, and as such, um, one of our home group members mentioned something so uh, simple yet profound that when we love God, it almost becomes a natural thing for us to love other people. Like when we love God deeply, we, we it will lead us naturally to love others, which is uh, today's topic. Today, we're going to talk about the second component of this mission is not only do we love God, that loving uh, God is important, but God doesn't just say love me vertically. But in fact, he uh, never stutters in telling us to love one another and particularly having to do with one another as the church, the body of Christ, that we are called to love one another. God never stutters in his command for us to love one another. Uh, We saw in Mark chapter 12, Jesus being asked the greatest commandment. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's all we talked about. And immediately, see, uh, Jesus said this, the second is this, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So loving God is important, but loving God should flow into our love for one another, horizontal way. But not only just loving everyone, certainly we'll talk about that, but, but particularly to those whom are people of God. It was the, not just the Jesus command, it was the Old Testament command back in Leviticus, one of the books probably most of us skipped over when we do read the Bible for the whole year. It says, this, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest or in fear you incur sin because of him. You shall not take a vengeance or bear a grudge against the son of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. When Jesus quoted uh, in in Mark chapter 12, he was speaking, he was quoting Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, that we must love our neighbors as ourselves, particularly with those who are the people of God. 
but not only Old Testament. Jesus himself repeatedly gave the command to love one another. John 13, a new command I give you, love one another. As I love you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Paul echoed what Jesus has said, what the Old Testament has said in calling the Christians in Galatia after his first trip, a missionary trip in helping all these people come to know Christ. He wrote this letter back to these churches that he had helped plant it. And he told them this. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So loving God is of utmost importance. Loving others is a byproduct of which when we love God, we will love one another. Now, I don't know what you think or what picture comes to mind when you think of loving one another. Uh, For many of us, loving one another might mean that we just talk to one another. We hang out with one another. We go on trips with one another. We, We eat out together. Maybe you are the crying shoulder for someone or are listening ear to someone who just broke up and you're invested in each other's lives. Uh, you're, you're spending time together. That's what loving one another means for many of us. While those things are all true, the question I want to ask today is this. How is those activities any different from the way you spend time and with non-believers? How is this love within the community of the household of faith, within the church, any different from how you spend time with non-believers who are not a part of the church, who are not part of the same faith? How is your love for your, your fellow brothers and sisters different than your love and then your interaction with those who are non-believers? The reality is that for many of us, loving one another in the, in the church, loving one another in the same household of faith looks exactly the way we love others. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that what binds us together ought to look a little bit different than what's out there in the world. There is something about loving one another as Christians, as brothers in Christ, as the church that must look differently than the way the the outside world love one another. The outside world uh, live together, eat together, spend time together, take trips together, talk together, comfort each other together. And if we do the exact same thing, but nothing different, how is it that our love will actually show the world that we're Christ's disciples? So what I want to do today is when we look at Ephesians 4, we're going to look at something very um, perhaps overlooked when we talk about loving one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. All the things I mentioned earlier are important. And in fact, I would argue that those are necessary means to an end of loving one another. But our love toward one another, according to scripture, has something more than that. So what is that more? Let's take a look in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Before we look at what it is, we need to look at the bigger picture. What does Jesus really want for his church? What does Jesus really want for his church? You see, what we see in Ephesians chapter 4, when we look at chapter 4, verse 11 uh, through 16, one of the biggest big picture things we need to instill in our heart and mind is this. That God's goal for the church is to grow up, not just to grow old. 
Jesus never intended his church just to grow older, but Jesus intended for his church to grow up. Jesus is not satisfied to have an old church, but Jesus is satisfied and pleased for a mature church. The, the final destiny, final goal for the church is not to grow old, but to grow up. You know, many times I've, I've talked to people from various church churches that I've been a part of. There's this mentality toward, man, we want to grow up together. We want to grow old together. You know, we went through youth group together. Now we're in college and we come back to those same church. Now we're working. We want to have families together. Our kids grow up together. We can retire together. We are on the same life stage. We get to walk with each other. And those are beautiful things. And I want that too. But God never calls us just to grow old together as a church. God calls us to do something more. God calls us to grow up as the church. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13, particularly in verse 13, it tells us that Jesus uh, gave, the, the God gave the church all these leaders and all these people to equip the saints for good work. But for what purpose? Verse 13 says this, until, here's the goal, here's the final goal for the church, is until all obtain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ see verse 13 says that the goal of the church is to mature to become from a little kid to become a full-grown adult what does that adult look like it's not just some adult that can do something but it is to the measure god even gave us what does it look like for us to be mature is this the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ so the final goal, the goal that we're aiming for as the church, when I say church, I don't mean the building church, but us as a church is to become mature individually, but also corporately to become more and more like Christ, to, to be filled with the fullness of Christ. Verse 15, I apologize, did not put the reference mark in there. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to what? To grow old? No, to grow up in every way into him, God, who is the head into Christ. That is the final goal that God has for the church. And when we think about loving one another, when we think about doing anything with one another, we must have this final picture in mind. The word mature here is the Greek word telos. It has the idea of whole, a completeness, fullness, you see, we, there's a chance for us to grow old, but not growing up. You see, growing old is a natural thing, a natural process. We all grow old whether we want to or not. But just because we grow old, it does not necessarily mean that we will grow up. See, God's intent for you, God's intent for us as a church is to walk in such a way that we will grow into maturity in Christ, that we are to become more and more like Christ. That is the picture of what God wants to do in us and through us and for us. We are all on this path. As long as you call yourself a Christian, we'll put your faith in Jesus. That is the big picture. Now, with this picture in mind, Jesus gave us two groups of people to help us along the way. If we are to mature in Christ, Jesus did not say, you go figure it out, church. Jesus actually gave us two groups of people that will come alongside and help us. The first group of people we see is from Ephesians chapter 11 says this, and he gave 
God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. In order for us to mature, to grow up, to be full, to have the fullness of Christ in all of us, first God gave us his leaders. He gave some apostles, he gave prophets, he gave evangelists, he gave shepherds and teachers. And their job is to equip us to do the work of ministry. Now, God gave us these leaders, and these leaders are super important. But I, want, I don't want to spend so much time on the leaders today because we all tend to have to uh, assume that the leaders will do that part of the work. That's why we have pastors, we have leaders, we have all those leaders to help us. And I think naturally we depend on them. And what I want us to focus on today is that God did not just give leaders to help us to mature, to walk into fullness and maturity of Christ. God actually gave one another. I want you to open your screen to gallery, right? View. Look at the names there. Those are the people whom God had called and gave each one of us to grow into maturity. Because in verse 15, again, it says this. Yeah, it is verse 15. I, I didn't put verse 14 in here. But you look at your Bible. In verse 14, it talks about the childish way by which we can walk. And God said in comparison to that, to contrast that, here's the word rather. To contrast all the childish way that perhaps we walk and not grow in the fullness of Christ. Instead of that way, what I want you to do is verse 15 this way. Look at what it says. It says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. How do we combat? How do we contrast the childish way? We do so by speaking the truth in love. But first, I want to notice, who are the people who are supposed to speak the truth in love? That phrase, speaking the truth in love, is modified, is referring to the we right after it. We as their church, we as the members of the church, we as fellow brothers and sisters of this church, we as the fellow brothers and sisters of the capital C, we are the one to speak truth in love for one another. Not only the leaders equipping us, but we as a church, that means Joy needs to speak truth and love in me. Hannah needs to speak truth and love in me. Michael needs to speak truth and love in me. Terrence needs to speak truth and love in me. And subsequently, we need to do that for one another. That is the way by which God called us to achieve, to grow, to grow up into the maturity and fullness of Christ. But here's the major point I want us to share with us today. See, for many of us, when we look at this verse, we have this uh, misunderstanding. If you ever come across this verse or anyone have used this verse, the first immediate uh, context that they think of is almost to the sense that because I love you, I, I need to tell you the things that you don't want to listen to. Speaking the truth in love is almost like you have a booger in your nose. Because I love you, I'm going to be as gentle as possible, as loving as possible. But I have to tell you this harsh truth. That you're walking around the room with a booger in your nose. We think of speaking the truth in love. It's just speaking harsh truth into people. And we're going to do it nicely. But that is not what Paul had in mind. Because all we need to do is just look at the context. What we just saw earlier. The context of the goal of the church is to mature. To grow, in the, grow up into the fullness of Christ. And if that is the final goal. 
What we need is not just some harsh truth that we can conjure up, what we see as truth. What we need, the truth, the truth that G, uh, that Paul was referring to here is the truth about Jesus. Because quickly, you look down in verse 21. Just look down a few verses. Paul tells us, assuming that you have heard about Christ and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus. So when Paul says speaking truth in love, he's not talking about any truth, anything uh, that we can conjure up, but he's talking particularly, specifically, the truth about Jesus. So when we talked about speaking the truth in love, so what that means is that when we, if, if the picture, the final goal is for us to grow in the fullness of Christ together and individually, what we need to get that, what, what God has given to us is we need God's truth, Jesus' truth about Jesus to, so that we can become more like Jesus. It makes total sense. And when we talk about speaking Jesus' truth in love, we're not just applying Jesus' truth in the religious box. We're not just saying we're going to talk about Jesus when we come on Sunday. What does it mean to speak the truth? I'm going to substitute it to make it more, more uh, appropriate, uh, more specific for us. Instead of just speaking the truth in love, what Jesus, I would argue here in the context of this passage, he's saying speaking the truth about Jesus in love. In other words, speaking the gospel truth in love. You see, the gospel is not just for non-believers. The gospel is for me. The gospel is for you. And the gospel is for us. And the way we grow into maturity of Christ, the way we truly love one another, is not just spending time with one another. The way we truly love one another is while we're spending time engaging in the relationship with one another as a church, we are speaking the truth of Jesus in love. What set you apart as a church, what set us apart as a church from the rest of the world is that we are not just gathering for gathering's sake. We're gathering, doing life together so that we can speak the gospel truth of Jesus in love into each one of our lives. When we talk about speaking the truth, now we're not just saying putting Jesus in a box. We're not just saying in 930, we're going to speak the Jesus truth into our lives in, in love in each one of our lives. We're not just saying in your small group, you're just saying that Jesus is so much better than everything in this world that we're saying when we speak Jesus into each other's lives, we're speaking into every little areas of our lives. The truth of Jesus is useful, is beneficial, is fruitful. For our schoolwork, for our career, for our our purity, for our entertainment, for our family life, for our marriages, for our dating lives. The truth of Jesus matters for every one of these areas of our lives. And if we are to truly love one another, we're not just spending time comforting one. We're not just spending time hanging out. We're spending time doing all of that with the intent of speaking these truths into each one of our lives. Here's the problem for, for all of us. Along the way of life, 
while the goal is to be mature in the fullness of Christ, along the way we stumble off track from this path. We drift at one degree to another. In fact, Paul gave us four specific ways by which we live childishly. While we're intent, God intent for us to mature as a spiritual adult, we live as a spiritual infant, spiritual uh, child, spiritual teenager. And there are four specific ways in which we do so. Here's four ways in verse 14. It says, says, so that we no longer be children. He's saying, these are kind of childish ways that you and I live. What are the four ways here? First one, tossed to and fro by the waves, that we get knocked down by the waves of this world, by the waves and circumstances of our lives. That's the first way. Second one is this. We, we sometimes live childishly by being carried away by the, the most um, trendy doctrine. The most trendy teaching that may, have, uh, may not be completely wrong, but is mixed the wrong with the right from the scripture. And sometimes we'll live childishly by human cunning, meaning we, we deceive ourselves thinking that we can do everything we want to do. That we are able to do everything we want to do. We make ourselves as God. And sometimes we live childishly because we buy into the lies of Satan. We're buying the lies of Satan. So what happens is Paul, uh, God through Paul is calling us. If we love one another, we need to rescue each other. By speaking Jesus into each one of those barriers, each one of those childish ways that we live. So you may be wondering, okay, what does that mean to speak Jesus into these areas? I want to quickly run over several examples. Uh, what, as far as the ways of life, maybe we, we, we are stumbled. Maybe one of us, some of us are stumbled by circumstances of life. You got knocked down by the ways of life. You lost a family member. You lost a job. You didn't get in the school that you wanted to get into. For whatever reason, you face challenges in your life. You feel like this wave just crashed over you. You struggle to have faith. And those of us around this brother, this sister, we need to speak truth, the Jesus truth into this person. We need to help this person to experience the love of Christ, the love that Jesus never changed. Jesus' love for this person never changed. Circumstances might look like it changed, but Jesus never changed. Jesus' love for this person, we need to speak to, speak into this person's life, help this person, pray for this person to see the love of Christ on the cross, that if he was willing to die on the cross for us, what else would he not do for us? That he is indeed the good shepherd. He is indeed the door of the sheep, that he will protect his sheep. Though right now the person, this person, we need to speak to this person so that he or she will know and experience that Jesus is the protector. Because at this moment of weakness, perhaps he or she has forgotten and really feeling like to let go. This is where you and I need to step in and speak this truth with our words, with our actions. For another person who may be carried away by the trendy doctrines, doctrines of this world that tickles their ears, that tickles their hearts. Perhaps that says, if you believe in Jesus, everything's will, everything will go well. If you believe in Jesus, you will have health and wealth. If you believe in Jesus, All things are going to be smooth. And we know that's not going to be the the truth because Jesus tells us in this world, we will have trouble. And we need to come around, speak into that person and and show that person, help that person that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. 
We need to bring that person back in the truth of God and, and help that person experience that. Though you may suffer right now, don't you, though those things promise you that, that you have no, no suffering, the scripture tell you otherwise. And that is okay because Jesus suffered too. And so in your suffering, that Jesus suffered alongside, suffered for you in the past, and he can walk you through the suffering that you're going through. We need to give hope to that person. Speak in love the truth of Jesus, the hope of Jesus in love for that person. For a person who's struggling with human cunning, struggling with self-worth, self-reliance, we need to help and remind that brother or sister that that our weakness is an invitation to God's power. That 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 9 to 10 is true. Yesterday, today, and forever. That God's grace, Christ's grace, is sufficient. And his, our weakness will, we, through our weakness, we will experience his power. That it is actually okay. For us to feel weak. It is actually okay for us to feel out of control. But that we have one. Who is so much control that even death cannot rob him. And we need to speak Jesus into this brother and sister's life. And say look at the cross. Look at the empty tomb. You don't have to trust yourself. You don't have to rely on yourself. You don't have to figure a life for yourself. Jesus is the best, best plan for you. He is the light of the world. And I won't spend much time speaking, uh, share, uh, giving example for the last one about the, the deceits in this world, deceitful schemes in this world, because we just had a sermon series about the lies Christians believe. See, every time we follow our hearts, every time we believe in ourselves, when we struggle with Satan's lies in our hearts, we as brothers and sisters need to speak in words and in action to help that per- corral around that person and help that person to know that Jesus is the true vine. That what you're pursuing in this world will go away. But Jesus himself said he's the resurrection of the life. There's something more beyond this world. School is great, job is great, family is great. But none of those things last. And if you put your eggs in those baskets and hope that it will stay there forever, we will all be disappointed. We need to remind, speak, pray over. For all of us, as we veer off and as we veer off from growing maturity in Christ, this is what loving one another means. And it might take different forms for some it might just take conversation for some it might take teaching that's what we're doing on sunday for some time it might require encouragement speaking to the truth of jesus in love toward one another by my means that sometimes we just need to come along and just pray over someone and at times it might even require us to rebuke and exhort one another and I love what Hannah chose in our call to worship. In Colossians says, admonish one another. Even us singing together is a way to, to speak truth to one another. You see, speaking truth to one another is not the pastor speaking to you, preaching to you, at you. 
when Paul says speaking the truth in love, the truth of Jesus, and he's saying all of us need to do that, not just on Sunday, but we need to do that every day throughout the week. This is why it is so important for you and I to participate, not just on Sunday, but also we participate in a small group of believers. So that we give an opportunity, we position, posture ourselves so others can speak into our lives. Jesus had the crowd. Jesus sent out the 72 to bring the gospel to the villages. Jesus has his own 12 disciples. In fact, within the 12, Jesus had three. See, each one of these engagement uh, of group dynamics bring benefits into their lives. And I want to encourage you. I want to plead with you to commit to be a group of believers. Sunday is great. It's just a first step. Preaching, singing is just a first step for us to speak truth and love to one another. But we need someone to speak particular truth, personal truth to us. But we can't do that if we're not spending time with each other. See, some of us are great at the 72 level. Some of us are great at the three level. But but uh, 12, 12 people level have a different dynamic in there. And so I want to encourage you. If you are not joining a group right now, I encourage you to join a small group. Whether on Sunday or a Thursday. And if you're joining, I, I want to encourage you to be consistent in it. So that your life, it is not so much that other people need to know your life. It's more that you need other people to know your life. So that as a church together, we can speak truth into one another. Because let's be honest. We can spend a lot of time. You might be thinking, well, we don't need small. I spend time outside with church people already. You might be true. That might certainly be the case. But most of the time when we are spending time together, how often are we really speaking the truth, the gospel truth into each other's lives? And I don't even mean the church. Even as families, we don't do that. As couples, we don't do that. These become just vehicle, environment, and tools that hopefully give you some specific space that you can do that. So I encourage you. We all veer off at one time or not one season or another, and we all need one another to speak the truth of God, truth of Jesus into each other. That's what it means for us to love one another. I want to give you three practical ways to do that. To speak truth in love. To truly love one another. Here's the first one. We can't love one another if we're not drenching ourselves in the truth of Jesus ourselves. This is why it's so important for us to spend time in Jesus. You cannot give what you do not possess. You cannot give away the truth of Jesus if you don't have the truth of Jesus deep into your own heart. And so let's fight for one another. Your devotional time is not just for you. I confess, even as a, as a as Christian in America, so often I think of my Christian wall as just me and God. My personal devotion, my personal relationship with Christ. No, what you do matters to all of us. And we need the youngest of you to the oldest of us to be drenched into the truth of Jesus so that you can speak, act, live, pray those truths in love for each one of us. 
So drench yourself in the truth of Christ. Here's the second one. Grow in your relationship with one another. Grow beyond the Sunday worship. Grow beyond the small group. Some of you guys are so great at doing this. And I'm so encouraged that people are spending time together with one another on the daily things, not just quote unquote spiritual things. And I think that is so important because everything that we talk about, speaking the truth and love, Jesus' truth, rides on those tracks, travels on those tracks of relationship. So be intentional of spending time growing those relationships beyond superficial level. And here's the last one. Love each other deeply enough to speak into each other's lives. If the goal of the church, according to Jesus, is to become mature, he has given us the leaders, but he has also given us each other. Let's make sure that we're doing what Jesus says. Let's speak into each other's lives with the love of Christ. Not with judge, not with judgment, not with a, 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 a heart trying to shame and guilt someone, not to knock. We do that according to Ephesians 4 is to build up one another. Verse 16, that, that when every part is working properly, it makes the body grow. It built itself up in love. We grow up when we all speak up. We grow up together when we all speak up to one another in love with the truth of Jesus. So let's not just leave our loving one another with just hanging out, spending time doing things together. Let's step up our love for one another to speak the truth of God's love into each other's lives. If we are to love one another, he calls us all to grow in the truth of Christ, to grow in our relation with one another. And lastly, we must grow in our love to each other enough that we are to speak Proclaim, sing over, pray over the truth of the gospel, the gospel truth of Jesus into each one another's lives. That's what set us apart as a church, as believers. Because our love points us to more Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for Showing us, giving us the opportunity to build into each other's lives. God, I pray this week as we come into your word, Lord, that you will speak so deeply into our soul. That the word of God will come alive for us. That we'll not just read it, but we'll meditate, chew on it. And in the Acts 2 way, when people who come across the word of God so powerful, they ask the question, what should we do now? God, I pray that you will give us a superficial love for one another. A supernatural love for one another. A love that is beyond ourselves. Our love for one another is not because we like something that is similar that we are of the same season of life, 
that we're from the same school, we're from the same neighborhood. Lord, we pray, Lord, the love we have for one another will be so deep because it is not our, 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 what we love, our interests, but because of the love of Christ that ultimately binds us together. That we are blood related because of the blood of Christ. God, I pray you'll give us wisdom and boldness to speak, to proclaim, to invest the gospel truth of Jesus, the good news of Jesus into each other's lives, that Jesus, you are better, that Jesus, you are king, that Jesus, you have sacrificed your life for us so that we can have life today, that Jesus, because of you, we are someone, we're somebody because now we, because of Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection, now today we're sons and daughters of God. We have an identity that's beyond what we can accomplish in ourselves. And God, I pray that we'll so encourage, so sharpen one another, that this local body of Christ will grow up and experience the fullness of Christ like never before. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to respond to God's word this morning in uh, singing one last song called Give Me Jesus. And as we sing this song, I want to encourage you to think about how, uh, in what areas of your life you need Jesus more. And also I want to encourage you to respond to Jesus. Are there people in, in, uh, in your life that you need to speak the truth of Jesus to more? Believers in your life that you need to bring forth the love of Christ to them with his truth. So let's commit our, our time together to him.